that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? I want to talk today about the rapture. You know, the rapture is based on a powerful human emotions. It's based on fear and self-preservation. Escapism is really what it's based on. And uh, the concept is I can escape the great tribulation that is coming on good old Uncle Sam. Yes. And I agree that the tribulation is coming. That I will agree with. There's a tribulation that is going to come on our morality, our lack of morality. You know, just trying to do what is right. There's a tribulation coming there. There's a tribulation coming on the marriage institution as we play dumb and pretend with that we don't know what constitutes a marriage. You know, how dumb can you be? How dumb can you be? That we, we play dumb as if we don't know what constitutes a marriage. God created them male and female, but we don't know. Tribulation is coming upon the marriage institution, and a tribulation is coming upon our economic system. You'd have to be, you know, missing a few sales there not to get that one. I mean, sooner or later, the bubble is going to burst, and our economy is going to go down the drain. All we have been doing is just sort of trying to, you know, put that out in the future a little bit further by all the bailouts that has occurred, but it's coming. An economic collapse is coming. A tribulation upon our economy is coming. Now, the question, you know, here's what we got to get our mind around with the rapture. God can protect you right where you're at. God, he's God. He doesn't need a rapture. Where was Daniel protected? He was protected in the lion's den. Where were the three Hebrew children protected? In the fiery furnace. Okay. Now, here, here's what I want you to understand. If this concept, if a concept is important to God, the word will be in the Bible. Don't let, just, just, let's focus on that for a moment. It's a biblical rule. It's David Freeman's biblical rule for, for understanding the Bible. That if something is really important to God, you're going to find the word in the Bible. Okay, rapture, not in the Bible. Trinity, not in the Bible. Christmas, not in the Bible. Easter, not in the Bible. Although the word Easter is, but it means Passover. So it's, a, it's an error in the translation. It's not Easter, it's Passover. Okay, therefore the word Easter is not really in the Bible. Although you see it there, but if you, if you have a concordance, you realize it means Passover. Okay, Sunday keeping. Not in the Bible. Immortal soul. Not in the Bible. There's just a lot of ideas that are taught in religion that are not in the Bible. People invent concepts about God. And then they give it a name. We'll call this the Trinity. We'll call this the Rapture. And then they say, once they invent these ideas created by man, they say, this is dogma. This is in the Bible. This is what your Bible teaches. Not so. Not so. Now listen, I'll give you some advice here. 
best advice I've given in quite a while is right now. It's coming up. So hear, hear me. Listen closely or you'll miss, something. you'll miss something. Don't build your faith on a doctrine that has the potential of destroying your faith. Let me repeat that. Don't build your faith on a doctrine that has the potential in the future of destroying your faith. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the rapture. I'm talking about, you know, the Left Behind series, you know. You know, you're thinking, here you are in the midst of tribulation. And you're thinking, I should have been raptured by now. And I'm still here. I must have been a fuddy-dud. I must have not even been a Christian. And now I'm left behind. You think that would destroy your faith if you built your faith on that doctrine that you're going to be raptured before the tribulation even gets here? It would destroy your faith. Absolutely. So I'm saying don't build your faith on a doctrine that has the potential of destroying your faith. Understand God is big enough to protect you wherever you're at. He doesn't need a rapture. He's God. Now, where did this concept originate from? Well, it goes back, it's not even that old. It goes back to the 1800s. Uh, John Darby, uh, Margaret McDonald. But let's take a look at what the Bible teaches about the first resurrection, not the rapture. Okay, what did Jesus talk? Now, let me ask you, do you believe, will you believe Jesus? If I show you what Jesus taught, if I prove to you that Jesus did not teach the rapture, will you believe Jesus? I'm just asking a question. I mean, you don't have to believe Jesus if you don't want to. Maybe you would rather believe. Well, I can understand why you'd rather believe your preacher because it's escapism. It's fear. It's dealing with one of the most powerful human emotions out there, self-preservation. And so I can understand why you'd want to believe in the rapture, but the point is it's not in the Bible. Listen, will you believe Jesus? Will you believe Jesus? Okay, Matthew 24 and verse 3, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of your coming and the end of the world? Now, let me just break in. The world's not going to end. It's just that man's government of our world is going to end. The way we run it is going to end. But it's not the world ending. Okay, I just wanted to clarify that. What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus said, boys, you don't have to worry about a thing. You're going to be raptured. You're going to be whisked up in the sky, high in the sky, and I'm going to take you home while the world goes to hell. No, he didn't say that. He said, in verse 24 and verse 6, Matthew, he said, And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Well, we hear about that all the time, do we not? That's been going on a long time. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famine and pestilence and earthquakes in divers places. Well, you know, we've had that for a long time. That's sort of, this is sort of common here. But Jesus says now in verse 8, he says, And these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, that's just another way Jesus is saying, Boys, you ain't seen nothing yet. Brace yourself for what's coming. Brace yourself. Verse 9, Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Question, is Joel Osteen hated? 
Is Kenneth Copeland hated? Was Billy Graham hated? Maybe I'm, just, I'm just asking a question. I'm just asking a question. Is your minister hated? I'm just asking questions. No offense, just asking questions. Well, let's see. Then they shall deliver you up and be, to be afflicted and kill you. Where's the, where's the rapture? Lord, I think it's about time for the rapture. They're about to kill me. And they hate me. They hate me. Therefore, they're going to kill me. I need to be whisked up right now. All right. Verse 13. But he that endures to the end, endures to the end of what? Well, the end of the age. Either the end of your life or the end of the age unto the return of Christ. He that endures unto the end shall be saved. Verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Question, who's going to preach this gospel if they're all been raptured away? All Christians have been raptured away. Who's going to preach this gospel? Uh, anyway, uh, Matthew 24 and verse 21, and then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days shall be shortened, there should be no flesh saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Okay, we're talking about great tribulation, such as was not, as never have been. This is what the disciples are hearing him. They're saying, okay, tell us about the end, and how, how it's going to all play out. And Jesus is placing them, or his disciples, or the disciples that would come afterwards. At the end time, they're a part of this tribulation period. If you're a Christian at the end time, you're a part of this tribulation period. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus' answer for self-preservation and escapism is not a rapture. He says, I am going to cut the time short and return and resurrect my people. That's Jesus' answer. Let's continue on in verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation. Where does that place us? After the tribulation, of course. Of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Verse 30. And then shall appear. Now, wait a minute. And then, then when? <laughs> After the tribulation. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So Jesus' answer was, tribulation, then I return. Okay. Now, I want to tell you something. The rapture teaching has neutralized the church. It has neutralized Christians. I mean, it's pathetic. Most Christians don't care. When I, you know, it's like, are you concerned about the condition of the world? That 72% of Americans say the moral value of America is worse than ever before. That 60% say having a baby outside a wedlock is morally acceptable. That 59% say gay and lesbian sexual relationships are morally acceptable. Are you not concerned about this? 
You know, Isaiah 58 and verse 1 says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. It's like, are you not concerned about the condition of our nation? And you know what I realize now? No, they're not. Do you know why most Christians are not concerned about the condition that our nation is going? Because they believe they're going to be raptured away and escape all this stuff, all this hell on earth. Yeah, that's why Christians are not concerned about the condition of, of our society. The fact that 72% of Americans say the moral value of America is worse than ever before. What's that to me? I don't care. I'm going to be raptured away. It's unreal. It's unreal. The attitude that I see among Christians. Isaiah 58 and verse 2. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. We're talking about religious people as a nation that did righteousness or as if they were a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinances of their God. They ask of me ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, isn't it great to know the Lord? You know, I'm heaven bound. I don't have to worry about a thing. I'm going to be raptured away. That's the attitude. I mean, just watch the Sunday morning comedy hour. Do you hear a witness and a warning about the direction that this nation is going? Do you hear a witness and a warning about the, the, the direction this nation is going from Joel Olstein, Kenneth Copeland? How about your church? You hear anything about the direction this nation is going and that we need to repent and we need to turn to God? No, you don't hear. You, chances are you don't. I mean, I'm not saying, I don't know, I had not been to your church, but I'm just saying, for the most part, you don't hear that message. Why? Because people don't give a rip. They don't give a rip. This false doctrine of the rapture has neutralized the church. They don't care. Let the world go to hell because I'm going to be raptured. Now, listen, what most people call the rapture is really just the, the first resurrection. Now, let's take a look at this. It's the return of Christ, the first resurrection. Let's take a look at this. In Hebrew, in, excuse me, Revelation 11 and verse 3. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. Now, here we're dealing with a tribulation period of three and a half years on good old Uncle Sam, on the world in general, this tribulation. Now, now think about it for, for a moment. During this tribulation period, when the Christians are needed the most, you see, what I understand is this, people only change during tribulation. People don't change when times are good and their wallets are full and they're blessing and prosperity and they're going here, there, and yonder. They got their, their vacation plan and everything is going good. They got their job. They got their husband, their wife. Their, everything is working. That's not when people change. People change during tribulation. Just look at what happened at 9-11. People started flocking to churches after this terrorist attack that occurred, you know, 9-11 temporarily, a couple months, whatever. But, you know, that, that's, it's tribulation. That's what causes people to turn to God. When God's people are needed the most. You know, it's like, attention Walmart shoppers, we have 100,000 people out here who are in tribulation and they need, they want to turn their hearts to God and repent of their sins. Could someone send 
one Christian up here that could at least get them baptized or something. No, they're all gone. They're, they've been raptured away. We don't have any Christians down here. What kind of idiotic concept is this? I mean, listen, Acts 14 and verse 22 says that we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. I bet you didn't know that verse was in there. That's the very thing that creates the character and it causes people to turn to God is tribulation. Let's get back to these two witnesses here. Revelation 11 and verse 11. And after three, no, oh, and I did, well, let me mention it. Okay. These two witnesses, they're not raptured away. Did you know that? How come these two witnesses are not raptured away? These are men of God who give a powerful witness and testimony to Jesus Christ, and they're, they're actually killed. They're not raptured away. How come? Where's the, where's the rapture for them? Uh, Revelation 11 and verse 11 says this, And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God enters into them. And they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up into the heavens in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. Now, this is actually, if we, if we read on here, let's skip to verse 15. It says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. The reason these people, these two witnesses, come back to life is because Christ is returning, and the first resurrection is now taking place. You know, that's what happened. I mean, when people come back to life, when they're killed and they come back to life, it's called a resurrection. And this is the first resurrection that is occurring. The seventh trumpet sounds, which symbolizes the return of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to take a look at this cubicle here. Uh, and let me try to explain it here. Notice on top, the very top of it, I don't have a pointer I can do right now, but uh, at the top it has seven seals. Now we're talking about the book of Revelation and how the things will fall out. And we're dealing with the tribulation and we're dealing with this false teaching of the rapture here. First you have seven seals, then you have seven trumpets. That's on the left side of this cubicle. Notice the seven trumpets, they all symbolize something. The seventh trump is the return of Jesus Christ and the first resurrection. Okay, that's what that represents. Now notice to the right of this cubicle. Then you have, after Christ returns, you have seven vials that are poured out on sinning mankind. Now what I'm saying is, life continues on. Once Christ returns and resurrects the first fruits, his people, life for a short while continues on on planet Earth with the seven vials of God that's poured out on, upon mankind. Now these seven vials are referred to as the wrath of God. Okay? Now this is going to get bad. Really bad. When we talk about the seven vials of God, which is referred to as the wrath of God, well, first of all, let's, let's notice this verse right here, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 9. It says, For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation 
by our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're not appointed unto wrath. And by this time, the resurrection, the first resurrection has taken place, but life continues on on planet Earth for a short while with the pouring out of the seven vials of God. So I really believe, you know, sometimes when people think about the rapture, what they're really talking about, what we're really talking about is the first resurrection. But there is a tribulation period that Christians are going to have to go through, but they're not going to have to go through the wrath of God, these seven last vials that are poured out upon mankind. By this time, the resurrection has taken place. So I, I just wanted to sort of clarify that with you, because there can be a lot of confusion in this area. Uh, but I, again, I, I just say that this teaching of the rapture has neutralized the churches of God because they just like, we don't care. The condition that our world is getting in to, it's just like it doesn't matter because I'm not going to be there. I'm going to be raptured away. And the urgency, as I read earlier, cry aloud, spare not, show my people their sins. You just don't see that at church. You, you see this, this teaching of, uh, you know, God just is a blessing machine. He just wants to bless you and pour out blessings. And, and, and that, that's the kind of nonsense and pablum that we're being fed today. But you don't hear a witness and a warning that America needs to repent. America needs to turn to God. America needs to accept Christ as their personal Savior, receive the Spirit of God, go down in the waters of baptism, and start a process called conversion where you change, by God's grace, you change the man or woman in the mirror, and you become a new creature in Christ. You're not hearing that today. You're not hearing that today. You're hearing today, basically, deathbed repentance. A lot of people believe in a deathbed repentance. They really do. Well, so-and-so, you know, where, tell me something. Where in Jesus' ministry did Jesus say, live your life for yourself, and when you're old and gray and ugly, and your body's falling apart, and you realize you're going to die, go get a minister to save your butt. Where did, Genesis, where did Jesus tell us to do that? Jesus never said that. He said, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back, back is fit for the kingdom of God. He said, right now. You know, don't, don't look to some future date, deathbed repentance, because that's not going to cut it. You need time to change, is my point. Conversion is about change. Don't think you're going to put it off until you kick the bucket because you won't have any time to change. God not only wants to save you, He wants to change you inside and out, wingtip to wingtip, head to toe. You know, as C.S. Lewis said, it's like inviting God over to your house to fix the plumbing. And God will come in there and fix your plumbing. He'll fix your little problems. Yeah, you got this addiction, you got this smoking thing. God will help you fix that. But all of a sudden, he starts tearing down walls and, and erecting rafters and knocking down things. He brings in a, a, a wrecking crew, and he's demolishing your whole house, and he's building a new one. Why is he doing that? Because he's going to live in it. He's building a mansion you didn't even ask for. Because he's going to live there. You are the temple of God. And God is not going to live in a bunch of rot with termites and all of these things. He wants to change you. And that's what conversion is all about. But there's so many people I see 
You know, big smile on their face. Yeah, old Joe, he's in the hospital. He's 95 years old. A minister come by and saved him. Okay, you want to believe that? Go ahead and believe that. I don't. God is about change. He's about changing the person. He's about changing you, changing me. It's about conversion. And you don't want to put that off forever. You don't want to put it off for one second, to be honest with you. Because I don't know how hard-hearted you are. I don't know how stiff-necked. I don't know how unwilling you are. Your heart, I don't know how hard your heart is. It probably takes some time to change you. A lot of time. And it's a process. It's a process. Well, I want to look at one time, one more time, this cubicle that I was talking about. Um, there are insert chapters in the book of Revelation. And this little cubicle will tell you where the insert chapters are. The insert chapters are uh, chapters 7, 10, 12, 13, 14, and 17, and 18. When you read the book of Revelation, one of the reasons people don't get it is because there are insert chapters that sort of take you away from the story flow. And they may go ahead into the future or back into the future. And you need to know where these insert chapters are so that you can, you know, uh, skip them and read the story flow. The book of Revelation will never make any sense until you know where these insert chapters are at and you can read it as a story flow. Well, I'll send this to you free of charge, this little cubicle. Uh, if you want this, just ask for the DVD on the rapture and automatically I will send this cubicle chart with you that will help you understand the book of Re Revelation a lot better. At least I believe it will. But I can, uh, like I said, I'll send that to you free of charge. won't charge anything. won't sell your name to a mailing list. And I won't bug you. Not really. And uh, I'm not going to beg you for money. Okay, that's a good thing. So, anyway, I want to conclude with this, this critical statement that I made earlier. Don't build your faith on a doctrine that has the potential of destroying your faith. If the rapture is false, and I'm telling you that it is, then people have built their faith on this doctrine that says, I'm going to be raptured. I don't have to worry about the tribulation. America can go to hell. I'm going to be raptured away. And then what if it doesn't happen? And it's not going to happen. I can guarantee you that. Jesus didn't teach it. Okay, Jesus did not teach the rapture. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. All right. Um, so you're standing there thinking, I, I'm the one that's been left behind. I, I, I missed the boat. I'm a fake Christian. That would destroy your faith. That would totally destroy your faith. God can protect you right where you're at. God doesn't need a rapture. The rapture is not taught in your Bible. And I've just told you what's really in your Bible. I'm David Freeman, and I'll see you next time. If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program.